0: Open up your
1: Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 20. Luke chapter 15, as you're turning there, I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and your offering and your giving every single week. You allow us to reach people all around this world, even right here in our city, doing good uh, to people who are in need. Our ushers will be at the door today. As you leave, you can drop your offering in the bucket. You can go online, use our app. Uh, text, However it is, I just want to say thank you so much for helping us minister to people in our city and around the world. Luke chapter 15 today, I'll be going there in just a moment. I'm going to be talking today about, uh, if I had to title this, it would be a good talking to. Anybody ever needed a good talking to? Somebody's lying. Everybody needs a good talking to. Every once in a while, has anybody's kid ever needed a good talking to? You know what I mean. That's what we say down south whenever you got to give them a piece of information. A good talking to. In Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 20 today, it says, But when he came to himself, the NIV says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants? Have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. And he kissed him. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. I pray that right now, Lord, that our calendars would be clear, that our minds would be clear, and we would just focus on you for these next few moments. Lord, I pray that as today, as this word is spoken, I pray that it falls onto a heart and and soul that needs it today, and it becomes like fire. As today, as we pray, Lord, I just want to thank you for the country that we live in, although she has her issues, I'm so thankful that we can gather together in freedom and lift up your name and not be afraid or ashamed. I'm so thankful today for the men and the women who, who fought for our freedom. Those that we are remembering this weekend, those who gave their all on the battlefield and never came back home. Lord, we thank you for those people that were fighting for our freedom. And we pray for those families that in moments like this, they are mourning over the loss of a soldier. But today, Lord, we just give you honor and thanks today that we can get together with like-minded people and lift up your name and sing your praise and not have to be worried or afraid today. What an honor it is to be in your presence Now touch us today, touch our ears. Let us be focused on you. It's in your name. And the church said, amen. Amen Amen and amen. I want to start with the very sentence and thought that your advancement is tied to your authenticity. Your advancement is tied to your authenticity. You cannot be something that you are not. Amen. Uh, Your advancement is tied to your authenticity. What does that mean? You cannot live well if you cannot get real with yourself. You have to be able to be real with yourself. Sometimes it's hard to be real with other people. But you have to be able to be real to your own self. When talking about spiritual life, uh, wellness and realness are not mutually exclusive. You cannot have one without the other. For you to be spiritually well, you've got to be real with yourself. If you if you are not real uh, with yourself, if we aren't real with ourselves, how can we improve or know what we what, what we need to change in life? if we don't know our own strengths, if we don't know our own weaknesses, how can we know what we need to improve? If we are not real, with ourselves, how can we improve or know uh, what to change? God's plan is not only to expose us to Him, but a part of His plan is also for Him to expose us to our own selves so we can see who we really are and who we are not. Spiritually speaking, you can't grow until you realize that you cannot do everything by yourself. Amen? Amen. You can't do everything by yourself. You really can't grow until you realize that you have limitations. You are not perfect. You cannot do everything all of the time and please everyone. Why? Because you are a human being and you have limitations. You really can't grow until you understand that and you realize your personal limitations. Whenever you realize your personal limitations, you will also realize that how much you really need the Lord. Amen? Whenever you realize I'm not perfect, whenever you realize I can't do this all by myself, you will come to a quick understanding of just how much... You really do need the Lord. God is trying to grow a generation. You and I, we are this generation. God is trying to grow a generation in the area of authenticity, in the area of knowing who we are and who we belong to and why we were created. And while he is, is trying to grow us in the area of authenticity. We are living in a culture of superficiality, of superficial things, of super, of superficial beings. We are looking at people who've had plastic surgery and this has been tucked and this has been pulled up and that's been stuffed back down. And we've, we are looking at all of these things and we are wondering why we can't look like that. They really don't look like that. Okay. The, Kad- the Kardashians are fake people. They're more plastic than they are flesh. And while we keep watching the mess, I'll never understand. And we are living in this superficial culture where you have one group that will tell you, you do you and be you and everybody will love you and do what you want to, but they don't like you being you unless you are like them. And they want you to conform to them. And the enemy is using this to, man- to manipulate and intimidate An entire generation. When I'm not saying generation, so often we think about the young people. No, I'm saying us, the church. We are a generation, a living generation now. And the enemy is using these very thoughts that we see in culture and on the news and in social media. And people, famous people making such statements as these. And he's using that to manipulate and intimidate a generation And then we, the church believers, we begin to live in fear, fear of being judged, fear of being irrelevant, uh, irrelevant, uh, not relevant to society, fear of being canceled, fear and intimidated to be who God has really called us to be. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25 said, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be kept safe. It said, "The fear of man is a snare." In other words, it is a trap for you. Whenever you start fearing man more than you fear the Lord, you have you are in trouble. Whenever you start fearing what man says about you more than what God is telling you, you've reached uh, you've you, you you you've reached a problem in your life. The fear of man is a trap. Uh, it will capture you. It will capture your mind when you start fearing man it will make you do some very crazy things and if you do not watch it you will start to fear the opinions of people that do not even live by the same standards that you live by you will start to fear the opinions of people that do not even live by the word of the lord And you will allow their opinions and their thoughts to hinder you from living by the word of the Lord. If you look at little David when he was going out on the battlefield, if you can recall his story, can you even imagine the opinions that were being spoken about him as he is walking out on the battlefield? he, he had already refused Saul's armor because he didn't want it. It it wasn't him. He didn't know how to operate it. He refused to use the swords and everything else that everyone else had because it just wasn't who he was. He had not been trained in it. He did not feel comfortable with it. And if David would probably, if David would have probably worn Saul's armor, he probably would have died in the fight because it was too heavy for him. He did not know how to maneuver with that he did not know how to act inside of it. He did not know how to use it for his protection. He probably would have been so worried about the armor that he probably would have lost his life on that battlefield. But his willingness to walk away from the opinions of the sideline, his willingness to walk away from the normal and what everybody else was doing actually led him to a place of victory. Amen? And his ability to not listen about the sword But take up his slingshot led him to victory because the spectators, guess what? They could not see the oil that was already on him. They could not see the calling that was on him. All they could see was a stature. All they could see was that does not look normal. The spectators could not see his skill. They had no idea that he had already wrestled bears and killed them with his hand. The spectators could not even think how something supernatural could happen on a battlefield because they were just focused on seeing the normal things and although that slingshot was new to them David had already proven it as faithful. David in that moment thought just because you've never seen anyone do this doesn't mean that I cannot do this. Just because you've never been exposed to it doesn't mean that it's not for real. Listen we are in a place where you've got to understand and you've got to never let a doubter talk you out of a miracle. Never let someone that has never seen it talk you out of the supernatural. Amen. Never let someone that's never heard the word, never experienced the word talk you out of living by the word. Never let someone that hasn't felt it talk you into a corner of disbelief because doubt, you can doubt me if you want to. You can talk about me if you want to. You can cancel me if you want to. But just sit back and watch God use his favor for me and take this thing down. Amen? We are living in a day when you better know who you are. You better know where you stand in your beliefs. You better know that you know. And not only know it, but live it. We are in a place where you better know what you believe. You better know where you stand on some of these hot topics. Because if you don't, you will be like that house built on the sand without a foundation. The waves of life, media, people, situations will rub up against you and knock you off into the shore. If you don't know where you stand, if you don't know who you are, the world will tell you who you are. If you don't know who you are, the world will let you know. Is there anybody in the house that's not ashamed to admit it, but you talk to yourself? I find myself doing it all the time. I'm talking through a to-do list. I'm talking about what I'm doing as I'm walking through the house, trying to remind myself of where I'm going. Have you ever been alone and realized that no one was around you, but you're just having a conversation with yourself? For your spiritual well-being, it may be a little crazy in the natural. But for your spiritual well-being, there are times when you need to have some hard talks with yourself. There are some things that you may be wanting to do. There may be something that you are longing for. There may be something, some emotions that are rising up in you that you've been feeling, that you need to take a step back and not look through it through the world, but look at it through the lens of the Word of God and tell yourself, I know you're feeling this way today, but that feeling does not match up with the Word of God. That group of people does not match up with the Word of God. That 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 that, that political agenda, it may be who you're voting for, but just because you voted for the person doesn't mean everything that comes out of their mouth is the gospel and you've got to know the truth in this hour or you will be like that house that was built upon the sand you've got to know who you are in this passage from today in Luke chapter 15 it is a parable this man has two sons that are living in the same house some of you parents may be able to um, understand this story He has two sons in the same house with two different total personalities. Anybody have those kids? You're like, how did this happen? They have two different perspectives of what is happening inside of their house. He's the favorite. No, she's the favorite. When I was 15, you didn't let me do that. Why are you letting her do that? Anybody heard those stories? One son, the older son, is satisfied with what he is experiencing in his father's house. Then you've got the younger son. He isn't satisfied with his experience. And the Bible really doesn't give a lot of information that would make us think that the father treated him any differently than he did the older son. So it appears that it wasn't that the father was treating them any differently it was just that the younger son interpreted what was happening in a different manner. This is the younger son. His youthfulness is a metaphor of immaturity. How many of you know that the immature can misinterpret things? What the son thought was bad, the father meant for good. And the immature often feel like they're being treated unfairly when in reality they're being treated like everyone else. The immature people can often have a victim mentality where woe is me and nobody likes me. Everything goes against me. And it is immature To feel that way, the immature can have this victim mentality mentality. and what the son should have seen as protection, he saw as a restriction. What the father meant to protect him, the son was looking at as a restriction. The father wasn't trying to restrict his freedom, he was just trying to protect it. He was just trying to keep his sons out of trouble. He was just trying to give some parameters and guidance. And immature people cannot stand parameters. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're immature. (laughs) They don't like somebody telling them, no, you can't do that. But the mature people not only praise him for the blessings But mature people also praise Him for what is standing between us and bad choices. It may feel like denial in the moment. It may feel like like, like the Lord has left you. But when you look back, it was a blessing that God did not answer that prayer. You ever pray for somebody that you wouldn't marry, then you look at them five years later and you think, thank God that did not happen. (laughs) They lost their teeth like, whew, thank you, Lord. It was a blessing that you did not get to marry that person. It was a blessing that you did not get into that school. It was a blessing that that girl would not hang out with you when she hung out with everybody else. And every person she hung around, she brought them down a level. It was a blessing that she was not your friend. It was a blessing that you did not get that job. And the younger son had some immaturity issues. And and when the father wouldn't do what he thought he should do for him, all of these emotions start rising up in this young man. Arrogance arises. Entitlement shows up. Uh, he gets offended. I'm, I, I'm offended father that you will not do what I want you to do. And the enemy used this season of immaturity mixed with these emotions to get this young son to, inter- to interrupt uh, the, the, the relationship that he had with his father. Look what he did. He goes to his father and said, give me, two words, give me my inheritance, give me, my inheritance. give me, give me, give me. Anybody have that kid? Give me, give me, give me. I'm hungry. Give me food. I'm thirsty. Give me something. Now give me, give me. He said, give me, give me, give it to me. I'm tired of waiting on it. I know you're not dead yet, but I want my portion of the wheel. I know you're, I know you're alive and well. Dad, but I want my money and I want it now. I know I didn't work for it, but I want it right now. His request proved his immaturity. But watch this. In verse 12, he said, give me, give me what is mine. But if you look forward, seven verses to verse 19, he has lost everything that he was given. The word said that he was literally sitting in a pig's pen. And now he's saying, I'm going to go back to my father. Now he is saying, instead of give me, that he was saying uh, a few verses earlier. Now in, verse, now in verse 19, he's not saying give me, but now the word said that he came to his senses. And now he is saying, make me father make me. He came to his senses and after he had been through some stuff and was sitting in the lowest season of his life, he came to his senses. He came to his senses means that he started having some hard conversations with himself. He looked around and said, why are you sitting here? Your father owns the cattle of a thousand hill. Why are you sitting here with nothing? Why have you gone away? Why have you left him? Why are you doing it? He had some hard conversations conversations with himself he caught a revelation in the lowest moment of his of his life and now he said i'm going to go back to my father and say you don't have to give me anything now father i just want you to make me make me like you make me walk like you make me talk like you lord i just want to be like you because when we are immature we pray and we say give me But when we grow and start walking with Jesus, we start praying, make me. Make me like you. Make me walk like you. Make me talk like you. Lord, make me into whatever you want me to be. Make me. And the Father, listen, the Father gave him everything that he asked for. The right door at the wrong time. The Father represents the Lord in this story. And the son gets everything from his father's will, all of his possessions. And listen, the church needs to hear this because this is is what is happening to a generation in the church and in the world. The word said that he took everything that he had and headed off to a foreign land. Hmm. This is symbolic of leaving the faith and getting into the world. He went into a foreign place. He left everything that he was taught, everything. He got all of his riches and stepped into a life of sin. Okay? The Word said, not only did he take all of his possessions and step into a life of sin, the Word said, listen, and I quote, that he went and, quote, Joined himself to a citizen of that country. He yoked up with people in a foreign place. He yoked up with people who did not have the same beliefs that he left. He yoked up with people that were living alternative lifestyles from what the word was taught. He linked up. He yoked up with these people. And he started living like they were living. He started talking like they were talking. He started dressing like they were dressing. He got into their normal. The father tried to give instruction. But the son would not listen to the father. Get this. When God cannot get through to you by instruction... He will give you an experience. When you can't get the words, when you can't live by what you've been taught in Sunday school and small group and Sunday mornings and through reading your word, when he can't get through you by his instruction, he will put you in the middle of a pig pen. And as we call it, he'll let you wallow there. Roll around in your mess. Roll around in your problem. Have you ever been in a pig pen? It's nasty. He will let you sit in a pig pen and waller in your own demise until you come to your senses. Because what he can't get through you by instruction he will give you an experience cuz sometimes god will let you get something that you god, god god will give you. He will let you take something that you don't even need to teach you more about him. Cuz sometimes he will give you that thing just so you can see him differently. See? See son, I didn't get I didn't let you do that cuz I was trying to protect you. But now that you have it, you can see that I am a good father and I was trying to protect I wasn't trying to limit your freedom. I was trying to make you a free man. The father gives him the money and the words that, that he goes out and spends it in wild, a wild, crazy life, wild living. He's yoked up to people in a culture that is telling him the way to live and how to spend his money. Get this. He started investing himself and his things with the wrong crowd. The church needs to get this revelation today. There is a generation that is being yoked together with a group from a foreign land. And you're being yoked together with people from a foreign land by things that you were watching and listening to. We were just watching a, a G-rated movie. And there's a homosexual couple on it. A kid's movie. She's talking about what she did with her girlfriend. It was quick. She had a little rainbow on it. And if you weren't watching it, and before you know it, it's just normal. And you've yoked yourself up to an agenda. And there are churches that are trying to be cool and cute and be all-inclusive But if they don't watch it, they will link up to the culture instead of linking up with the truth. They are selling, there is a generation that is selling off their holy lifestyle. Holiness is not a thing just in the Bible. God is calling His bride to a lifestyle of holiness. Can I get an amen today? And this is going to hurt some of your feet, so you better tuck them under your chair. He'll let you smoke a little cigarette and it will involve to something else. I'm just going to say it. You'll start with a cute little glass of wine and it will evolve to something else. I'm just being honest with you today. That's the way it works. An addict did not start as an addict. You will watch a little something that's indecent. And it will evolve over time till you are so engulfed in it, you are an addict. You are addicted. You link. You yoked yourself up. And here we have it: a generation that is yoking themselves up with everything that they see. They are yoking themselves up with everything that they hear. They are. We we vote on what famous person we like votes for. And we yoke up with that agenda, and we don't even know it. Sarah and I were just having another conversation the other day. People being raised in the church, now their view has been skewed because they have watched TikTok. They sit around, and all they do is watch YouTube. All they do is stay on their phone. They're watching videos of where they're killing everybody, and now they're just numb to it. I'm going to speak the truth to you today. You've got to wake up, church. We're so upset about what has happened in our country this week, and now we want to sit and point our fingers about... Guns or no guns, right or left, what happened? It is Listen, what we saw this week, we saw the birth of in Genesis chapter 1. You you research every mass murder, and guess what? It came from a broken home. Genesis chapter 1, what did he do? He went right into that home, and he's trying to get into your home. You have got to build a hedge of protection around your house, America, and it's called the blood of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't watch it, he will come slithering in like a snake. With just a little video that you don't even know your kids are watching. And before you know it, your family is pulled apart, your marriage is torn apart, and it is exactly a byproduct of what happened in Genesis. It is sin. It is sin yes, we can sit and we can have a gun debate. I think it needs to be looked at. How can a mental person have all of that money and bought all of those guns? I think it needs to be looked at. But the root of it is, this life is full of sin. And if you don't watch it, you too may not be a mass murderer, but you will yoke up with some agendas. That just keeps on spreading it. And God is calling his church. And now we're yoked up to these agendas, yoked up with worldviews. They, they, there's a generation that is yoking up and attaching themselves to the trends of this time. And the demonic spirit of manipulation is being used to get them to believe in what is now the new normal. They, like this young man, are forfeiting their inheritance, their riches in heaven. They are selling off their soul to be in this inclusive world. And it's not in the word of the Lord. He calls sin, sin. He calls it out. And here we are, even in churches, we are wrestling with what do we do with it? We don't do anything with it. We preach against it and say, it is still sin. It's not a debate. There will be no debates in heaven. It is settled, it is finished, it is done. It's in the Word. There will be no debates. And here we are as a church, we're, we're, we're wrestling about... What is a sin and can I call it a sin? If I call it a sin, if I say drinking, if I say smoking, all these people are going to walk out and they're going to leave my church. Let them leave. You've got to plant the seed of truth in their life and it's up to them if they water it. God is calling his church to holiness. He's, He's coming back for a bride, spotless. He's coming back for that. And finally, this guy, this young man, said he came to himself. He came to his senses. Why? He started talking to himself. It may be crazy in the natural to talk to yourself, but in the spiritual, sometimes you got to look at yourself and say, you are not where God wants you to be. He's in a pig pen, and the Bible gives no account of anyone that is near him. He just starts saying to himself in verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants are even out here? They've got enough bread to eat and I'm in here. I'm about to die from hunger. He was talking to himself. He was having a hard conversation with himself in a very hard place. Sometimes when you realize you've lost your mind, that's when you got to look like you really lost your mind to your neighbor. And start talking to yourself in your spirit when you realize that you've gone as far as you can. Sometimes when you realize you've lost everything, you've got to look around and look at yourself and tell yourself, my father is the the father of the most high guess what i belong to him i am a son i am a daughter i was not meant to yoke up with secular things god has called me on a path that is straight and narrow and sometimes you've got to tell yourself that i wasn't meant to live with the pigs my father did not create me for this. I was not meant to, to link up with people of all these different lifestyles. And when he was in the pig pen, he caught a revelation. Was he When he was in the middle of his hell, he caught a revelation from heaven. His frustration finally did something good for him and pushed him back to the father. I believe it was three weeks ago, I said, when, 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 when God lets you, God will let you get frustrated just to get you back to the cross. The Lord will let you be frustrated and discontent just to come back to him. Because when you're frustrated, it's so easy to settle. I'm done with it. I don't want any more of it. It's so easy to settle instead of succeed when you are frustrated. Ben, help me out. It's so easy to give up instead of pushing forward. Frustration was meant to drive you to the cross. (gasps) Frustration is like a check engine light for your soul don't you hate to see the check engine light come on? I mean, what is it this time? Now, if you don't turn your gas knob all the way, it comes on. It lets you know when there's just little something going on. And whenever you get frustrated it needs to be like a check engine light for your soul. And you need to look around you and say, what do I need to change? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to shift? What do I need to step out of? What, what is going on inside me? You may like the pig pen, but I'm not staying here. You may like living in the mess, but I don't like living in the mess. This young man starts to pack his bags up and prepare his mind for what he's about to say. And get this, when the young man was on his way, the father looks up and sees the son coming home. And before the son ever sees the father, the father's eyes were on him and he starts taking off for him. Guess what? The father's eyes are always on you. I don't care what frustration you're in. I don't care what pig pen you are in in life. The father's eyes are always on you. The word calls him El Roy. He is the God who sees you are tired of where you are, if you are frustrated where your marriage is at, you are frustrated about the job, you are frustrated where you are spiritually, you feel like you may be in in an immature season and you are frustrated with it, guess what? Today you need to be honest with yourself and have a tough conversation with yourself right about now and swallow your pride and get back to the Father's house. You were not created to live in this pig pen. But you might say, stand up with me. You might say, but what's the use of going back? He gave me everything he had. He gave me my portion. I went and blew it. What's the use of going back? When I walk in, everybody's gonna be like, what's he doing here? What is the point in going back? Why would I want to go back? He gave me everything. There's nothing left. I blew it. Listen, as the young man was telling his story to the father, the father stopped him right in the middle and looked at his servant and said, go get me a robe. (laughs) I know he smells like the pigs, but go get me a ring. I know his hair's all matted together, but go get me some sandals for my child's feet. You may have settled in your place of frustration, You may feel like, why should I go back? But I want you to get this. The Lord can replace everything you thought was a waste. The Lord can replace everything that you thought was a waste. He can do it for you. Will you just raise up your hands with me today?